One time she said to me, she said, Mark, you can't connect with people if you don't relate to them. And if you can't relate to people, you can't connect. If you can't connect, you can't change, you can't lead, you can't influence, you can't inspire. You're listening to Share, Inspire, Repeat, where we explore uplifting, inspiring, and unique stories from around the planet. Things we're doing as human beings that you'll want to talk about that make us better people. A little dose of positivity in your day? Coming right up. And now for your host, AJ Mises. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Share, Inspire, Repeat. My name is AJ Mises, and I am so glad to have you on this episode. We have a really awesome guest that I'm really excited for everybody to get to know. But before we introduce him, I want to talk to you just a little bit about how this show works. This show is all about bringing good to the world, and we bring in speakers and guests who help contribute to that mission, helping us understand what it means to be a great human, understand what it means to level up how we're playing the game of life. And I am super excited to bring on Mark Noon today. But as a reminder, we need your help in terms of how we share the good that is in the world is through subscribing to the podcast. So make sure that you hit that subscribe button and then also make sure that you leave us a review. Of course, we appreciate those five stars because that helps us expand the audience and get our message out to the masses. So thanks for doing your part and thank you again for being here. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Mark Noon. And Mark excelled in military and civilian healthcare leadership for more than 25 years. And he's an author, an actor, a speaker, an executive coach, husband, and father. And Mark served 20 and a half years in the U.S. Air Force, 12 and a half years as a clinical lab director before retiring as a major. And Mark specializes in leadership development, and he's coached and spoken to more than 265 organizations in 43 states and one province. So without further ado, Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, AJ, that's a long introduction, man. I didn't expect you were going to read that whole thing. I'm not even sure who made that stuff up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're quite accomplished. I mean, 20 and a half years in the Air Force, that's incredible. It is. It was a great experience. Loved every minute of it. But, you know, it was time to make that transition in 2012, and we did. And, you know, I don't look back with any regrets whatsoever. It was a great career, but had to move on to some new and better things at that point. So here I am. That's amazing. That's amazing. And you're calling us from the Panhandle of Florida. Is that where you're originally from? No, I grew up in Michigan, but you know, being in the Air Force, you live a lot of different places, but we ended up here about 17 years ago and it's just kind of stayed home and it's a beautiful place to live. It is. It is beautiful. We were talking before we started the episode recording and my grandma lives in Sarasota, so not too, too far from me, but different areas. Very cool. So, hey, let's kick this off, Mark. So I'm curious just to kind of help set the tone for the episode. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Uh, you know, that's a great, that's, that's, that's a tough question. There's so many things I could think of, right? You know, I think the number one is to do good, right? And that's a part of your message, you know, even on this show is do good to everyone you have the ability to do good for, right? Everything that is in your power to do good, I think you ought to do good. And really that comes out of the book of Proverbs, but it's, so I just kind of modified it just a little bit, but really that's it, do good. Do good. I love it. I love it. We could partner on that. Yeah, right. Right. (laughs) Very good. So you do a lot of work in terms of talking with organizations and leaders about how to engage, how to be better leader, how to make sure that your team is operating at the top tier. Mm -hmm. How did you get into this? You know, it really started when I was in the Air Force. I had opportunity to really develop people around me, develop leaders, because when I first became a leader, quote unquote, in the Air Force, you know, I didn't have a lot of training for that. I didn't have a lot of experience. You know, they send you to a school to learn how to be a leader. 
but it's not that practical application. And I began to see this need to practically apply the things, the leadership principles that people were learning. And so that developed into my military career. And then 2012, when I retired, we took that to the, to the world, so to speak, in our business. Amazing. That's awesome. Cool. So, I mean, you were leading huge teams, I'm assuming, as a major in the Air Force. And so what was maybe the number one myth about leadership that was dispelled as you started ascending in your career? I think the number one myth is that if you get put into a position, you're automatically a leader. And yes, from that title perspective, you definitely are. But it's the characteristics of leadership that have to be developed. And they aren't just simply learned. You know, as I said, we send people to these schools and they learn how to be leaders. Then they come back to their units, they come back to their areas, and they don't necessarily get the practical application. Yeah, absolutely. And so for leaders who are just maybe starting in their leadership journey, I mean, I love that quote that just by being in a leadership role, you're automatically a leader. What are some of the things that new leaders need to start thinking about as they're assuming a leadership role for the first time? That's a great question because I actually wrote a whole book on it called Set Up, Timeless Leadership Skills for Your Success. You know, here's the thing is we don't lead ourselves really well. We think we get put into this position and now all of a sudden we've got to lead others and we haven't even led ourselves. We haven't even taken time to be able to learn and grow ourselves. How can we teach and grow other people? Mm, Yeah, it's like you got to invest in yourself first before you can show up. One of the things that I talk to my clients about all the time is you can't pour from an empty cup. Right. And so if you haven't done the work, if you haven't done the introspection Mm -hmm. to understand how you want to show up as a leader, what do you want for your team and what do you want from your team and really like put vernacular to those thoughts or those feelings that you have inside of yourself and your body, right? right? How do you create that message externally? And, you know, even if you're already been in a leadership position for a while and you're struggling, you know, the, the key is to be really, it's kind of like a professor in a college or a teacher in a high school is you kind of have to just be like a chapter ahead of the students in the book. You know, you just got to be far enough ahead. It's not like you have to know everything or be able to do everything. As long as you're ahead of the game, so to speak, ahead of your team, you can lead them where you need to go. Yes. Absolutely. So let's dive into that a little bit more. So what's maybe the number one thing that people need to know about setting themselves up for success so that they can set up others? Humility. You know, number one is that you don't know everything. I mean, if you think you do, you're probably way, you probably know less than you actually think you do. It's about being humble enough to say, you know, I don't know everything. When I was leading teams, I was smart enough to figure out that when somebody asked a question to me, I didn't have to have the answer. I just needed to know where to get the answer. I knew that my team had the answer, that team who did the work day in and day out, they knew a lot of those answers that maybe I didn't. I kind of collectively knew the high version of what's going on, but I didn't know some of the details. And I think that's the key is being able to be humble yourself, humble enough to go, you know what? I don't know, but I'll find out for you and I'll get back to you. Yeah. And that like the opposite of that is as a leader, sometimes, you know, we see things where leaders are afraid to be humble and to have humility. And so therefore they feel like they need to always have the answer and they may give a wrong answer or they may, I mean, I've even been in situations where the leader makes the direct report feel inadequate or stupid or dumb for asking those types of questions. What's the problem with that? You know, the problem is, is pride. I mean, right, is we don't have to have the answer. Again, going back to that is leadership is not about having the answer. It's about knowing where to get the answer. Leadership is about having influence and we can influence people the right direction. I'm saying influence can go both ways, right? It can go backwards or frontwards. But we've got to have the right influence to get people to do what they need to do or to seek out the answers. Another thing I think that misconception of leadership is that we don't have to give the answer all the time. Right. Meaning we might even know what the answer is. Mm. But if, you know, if I'm your boss, AJ, 
you know, I want to teach you how to find the answer, not just give you the answer all the time, because that's just blind followership, right? I want to grow you so that you can then be a leader at some point in time. That's the key. Yes. Oh my God, Mark, you're speaking to my heart, friend. So (laughs) this is so important because a lot of times, especially like leaders that I speak to all the time, especially, you know, at startup companies or tech companies or what have you, or even just people who have ascended in their leadership career, they inadvertently create these toll gates, these things that exist in the way that they operate that have their direct reports always asking them for the answers to something or how do I get unblocked here or what would you do if and blah, 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 blah. And really what that does, in my opinion, I'm curious to get your thought, Mark, is it prevents and it stifles that person from building the muscle to solve those things on their own and to ascend on their own course. And so if one of the first questions that I ask leaders who are interested in growing and just are super slammed and down in the weeds where they don't want to be is, well, what percentage of time are people reaching out to you for an answer? Or what percentage of time are your answers directive versus coaching? Yeah. Yeah. And you said the right really word right sign. there. It's coaching, right? That's a great word. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I do a lot of coaching. You know, the hardest thing is separating yourself from being a coach and a consultant, even in my world. So I had to do a lot of advising yeah. with a lot of executive leaders and teams in a lot of places. And sometimes I have to go in and give the answer because that's what they need. And they need to move stuff very quickly. And I can't necessarily teach them how to find the answer in the time frame we have. But the best thing I can do is over that time is to teach them to do that, to coach them. And a good coach is somebody who helps other people improve without them even knowing they're improving. It's like you're almost doing it subvertedly, right? But you're doing it in a way that lets them start to figure out the answers themselves, mm-hmm. start to figure out the direction they need to go. And it doesn't even look like you're involved in it. And all of a sudden they get to where they need to be and they look back and they go, wow, he really helped me, really coached me. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I, I love that. It's totally true. The lines between coaching and consulting are blurred. And as a leader, you're doing the same thing, right? Yeah. And you're the consulting on a direction or North Star that, that the team needs to be headed and maybe giving the blueprints and having people figure out how to get there. But the coaching piece is that more uncomfortable piece because yeah. it requires a little bit more time. It requires a little bit more thought and investment in time. And so I always tell people like turning on the coaching hat and asking more questions of your directs and helping them understand why that question is important for them to figure out and what they need to understand. Yes, it's going to take more time up front to invest in that type of a conversation. But in the long run, it's going to pay dividends. Yes. And that's what I don't think people realize is that every investment has a payoff, but it takes an investment. I don't care if you're investing in the stock market, you're investing in a business, you're investing in people, the investment is going to pay off in time. I think one of the best things as a leader is when people over time begin to come to me, not asking the question anymore, but having already answered the question and then just looking for me for that kind of that reassurance. Hey, Mark, you know, I I had this problem and, and here's what I came up for a solution. And I go, yep, that's exactly what I would do. You know, because then they have learned how to do that rather than come to me and go, hey, Mark, what should I do about this? And then I got to go through the whole question sequence and get them to think they've already done it because I've done a good job of coaching them along the way. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, I'm wondering if we can, a question just kind of came up in my head as we were talking here. And I'm just curious, you know, the world inside of the Air Force or maybe the military in general is foreign to a lot of folks who have never been behind the curtain and understand what it's like to work there. So I'm just curious, Mm -hmm. as you were coming up in the Air Force and, you know, eventually as a major, what type of leadership training or coaching or things 
did the government invest in in terms of our leaders in the Air Force? Well, they do a lot of investing in that. And that's, please don't get me wrong that it's not wrong. It's not negative. It just isn't as practical or applicable. So like, Uh for instance, as a young captain, I went to a six week long training course all about leadership and learning a lot of things about the Air Force wasn't just strictly leadership. But learning those things, and then you get back to your unit, your squadron, your group, and you go, okay, what do I do with this information? And it's always there, and and you're always going to draw from it, but sometimes it isn't always as practically applicable as it should be. When I was in the enlisted rank, so I spent time as an enlisted uh, troop as well as an officer, so on both sides of the rank structure, and even on the enlisted side, I went to a, a leadership school for about four weeks early on. And it's interesting that you go to this, and here's what happens sometimes, and this is the unfortunate thing. Like a person goes to that leadership training, they come back to their unit and their leader says, hey, you know, I, I know you learned a bunch of stuff over there, but forget all that because here's how we actually do things here. Mm. And, you know, and it wasn't like a positive, we really do things like this. It's, oh, forget all that. That's nice to know, but here's how it really works. And that's a frustrating thing when you're excited about leadership at that point, because you've been through this school. And, and I'm not saying that happens everywhere. And I'm not saying that every situation is like that, but it happens. And that's the thing I think we have to avoid is when somebody gets excited about a new opportunity of being a leader, or they want to learn something new that we feed that rather than squash that opportunity. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I don't think that experience, unfortunately, is all too different from sometimes what happens in, uh, you know, the private world or the, you know, corporate world is, you know, people, maybe an HR team or a company decides they're going to invest in and their leaders go through a training, they come back and the manager says, oh, I don't want to do things that way. We're going to, <laughs> we're going to do things how they've always, always happened because of change, the change that's involved. Yeah. You know, the military people and civilian people, they're no different, right? They're the same people. And this is a, you know, things are structured a little bit differently, but they're the same people. They have the same needs. When you think about, you know, we talked about doing good earlier, people in the military want just as much recognition and acknowledgement as people in the civilian world. People want as much, they're motivated in the same way in the military world as they in the civilian world. So people are people and we got to be able to realize that it doesn't matter what sector of the industries or the world they are. They're still all very similar in that way. Absolutely. And ultimately, it comes down to caring about people, which is, I know, something that you speak out a lot about. And perhaps I know probably was in your book, but I'm curious, what would you change about the way people are approaching being carefree and by caring more? There's three things that every employee wants. They want to know that you from a boss, from a leader, that employee wants to know that who you are as a person, who you are. They want to know you're good at what you do. They want to know if you're not a good leader right now, that you're trying to become a better leader. And then number three is, and this goes to that, is they want to know you care about them. How do you show that you care about them? And this is what I call the value connection. There's three parts to this. There's there's the idea that we have to let people know that they are valuable, that we create value in and around them, and that we instill value within them. Mm. And those three elements will really show, and there's many, many ways to do that, really show people around us, not just employees, but peers, even our supervisors, that we care about them. We care about what we do. Let's bring this to life real quick. I'm wondering if you could tell us a story about a time where either you worked with a leader one-on-one or you yourself kind of went through this to work through those three points. Yeah. You know, value is about acknowledging people for who they are and what's important to them. And that's the key. What's important to them is not necessarily what's important to you. The way I'm motivated is not the way AJ is motivated. It's not the way Nicole's motivated, right? We're different people. And so we've got to find out what it is that motivates them because that brings value to them. When I think about just simple things like this, let's say I acknowledge, AJ, what's your favorite candy? Candy bar? Kit Kat. Kit Kat. Okay. So let's say Nicole's is a Hershey bar and yours is a Kit Kat. Now let's say you do something really outstanding and I go, you know, I just want to thank AJ. It's not a big deal, but I just want to say thank you. And I, 
I bring you a Hershey bar. Now you're going to go, hey, that's great. I can eat Hershey bar. It's still chocolate, right? No big deal. But what if I brought you a Kit Kat bar and I brought you the large mega one, right? All of a sudden that says, wait a minute, he knows my exact favorite candy bar, not just a candy bar, right? Now that sounds so, so maybe trite to some people. But just that acknowledgement is valuable to AJ. Because by the way, Kit Kat is not my favorite. Peanut M&Ms would be my favorite. <laughs> so if I brought you peanut M&Ms, I'd be giving you what I value, not necessarily what you value. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I love that. I love that example. It also like brings up this feeling of like, all right, Mark sees me. Yeah. He sees who I am. He knows me. And I'm not just you know a number on his team. I'm a person and he sees me. Right. I used to work for another company up until a year ago. And I would go visit our main office, which is about 60 miles away here in Pensacola, Florida. And I would go visit this one young lady that I interacted with a lot on the phone. And, and when I would go visit her, I would bring her the biggest bag of Skittles that I could find. And the first time I did that, you would have thought that I was the greatest human being she had ever encountered because her reaction to it was, oh my gosh, how did you know I like Skittles? These are my favorite. And, you know, of course, I brought her the biggest bag they make at Walmart. And all it was, was I simply had done some research in our database at the work, at the job, and everybody had listed years ago what their favorite, you know, whatever food, drink, snack was. And I just found that. I said, oh, this is hers. I brought it to her. Oh my gosh, you'd have thought I was the greatest hero that had ever walked the planet. Yeah. It's so funny how those little things just equate to stronger relationships and feelings of caring. Right. Because you took time (laughs) to find out something like that. What did it take me? Probably five minutes to research that right on our database. Right. Now, here's the thing. And you don't do it for this reason. Yeah. But what's the chance that the next time I call there and I need a favor, she is going to jump on it right away, put everything aside and do what I need her to do at that moment. Now, again, I don't do it for that reason, but that sometimes is the outcome of it because we created value in somebody else. 100%. 100%. I love that. So this kind of brings up another thing. So who's one person that's really helped you master this topic of improving engagement and leadership? Who's someone that you've looked up to? Oh, gosh, you know, I've read so many different books and watched so many different people over the years. You know, this value thing, I think, really came from my wife. And, you know, it's probably very common for people to say their spouse is the person that inspires them for different things. But one time she said to me, she said, Mark, you can't connect with people if you don't relate to them. And if you can't relate to people, you can't connect. If you can't connect, you can't change, you can't lead, you can't influence, you can't inspire. I said, you know, well, how do I connect? You know, so I began to think of these ways that I connect to people. So for instance, you know, just the fact that I said I lived in Florida was a connection with you because you went, oh, my grandmother lives in Florida. All of a sudden we have this commonality. And I think that's the key is what can we find that will help us relate to the people that we work with? And that's why we have to investigate. We have to to observe. We have to listen. We have to have conversations with people to find out what's important to them. Because as soon as we can connect to something that's important to them, we will be able to relate, we can relate to them, we can connect to them. And then all of a sudden we can create that value and we can inspire them and we can influence their world. Yes, 100%. And I think the other thing too is, you know, you have to make time for those connections. You can't just think that they're going to happen by happenstance. They're going to happen by direct intention. And I think one of the things that I just saddens my heart hearing about is, you know, when I'm talking to clients or just people out there in the world who are saying, oh yeah, my manager has canceled my one-on-one for the last month or the last two weeks. We haven't had that connection. And it's because that leader has deprioritized spending time with that person. So especially in the world of getting those meetings canceled, that was a direct choice. 
by that manager to cancel that meeting. Yeah. And so I'm just curious, like, what type of guidance do you give leaders and managers about the proximity they should be spending with their direct reports? Hey, you know, the percentage is really actually quite high. So here's the way I used to work for me. Now, again, you've got to invest time. You said this very specifically. It's intentional time that you spend, right? So what I would do personally is I'm an early morning person. So a lot of my military career was spent coming in very early in the morning. I go to the gym early in the morning, then I'd be at the office by, by 5 or 5.30. Now, the normal staff doesn't show up till 7.30. So that gives me two hours to get all of my work done, all the typical things that I have to do each and every day. Then I was able to have time during the day to spend with the people that I work with, to spend that one-on-one time, to invest in them, to work side-by-side with them, getting to know what's going on in their world, finding out things about them, showing them that I care. So it's saying no to other things so that you can say yes to your people. It's prioritizing the work that you have to do as secondary to the work you need to do, which is spending time with people. Woo! Yes, that is so powerful. You kind of nailed it right on the head there, Mark, because there are so many times that people get into leadership roles because they, you know, they want to pay raise, right? Because companies have maybe a structure in place where the only way to move up is to become a leader. And so you become a leader for the wrong reasons. Right. And so companies who are getting it right are the ones that are saying you could be an IC, an independent yes. contributor or you could be a leader. It doesn't matter to us. We want to make sure that you are in the right role. You can make just as much money as your manager, maybe even sometimes more. We all just play a different role. And we want to make sure that what you are doing is playing to your strengths and to what you love doing and what brings you joy. And if that's being a leader, amazing, because that's going to require something different from you than if you were an IC. You have to get results through other people and not just by yourself. Right. It's, it happens so many times that people, it's just the natural progression to become a leader. Okay. I've been in the department this many years. I'm supposed to be the supervisor. Then I'm the manager. Then I'm the director. Right. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. If we're growing as a leader and we're continuing to get better at what we do, it's when we just assume that now we've arrived, we're okay. Everything's just going to be, you know, fine. That's where we make that mistake. That's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So what's the most important thing that you've learned in your life? For me, it's about creating value in other people. As I said, there's already one of those ways is just kind of finding out what motivates people. And you know, it's not just observing what motivates them. It's actually just ask them. You know, if I went to you and said, hey, Jay, what motivates you? Uh, You know, is it time off? Is it a bonus? Is it, you know, is this, how do I recognize you? Do you like a big ticker tape parade to recognize you? We just simply pat on the back, a handshake. You know, it's just asking those questions, getting to know people. But creating value is about What's important to them? Yeah, Dale Carnegie said, there's no sweeter sound in any language than the sound of one's own name. It's connecting to people by their name and knowing what that name is and knowing it's important. You've ever been in a, a situation where somebody used the wrong, you know, I don't know what AJ stands for, but yeah. so they used the wrong yeah. name for you, whatever the first name is. And they did that over and over again. And you're like, wait a minute, my name's whatever, right? Or if my name's Mark and they keep calling me right. Mike or something, you know, I mean, does it offend me? It doesn't offend me at all. But what brings value is getting it right and continuing to use that. Yeah. When I grew up in the Air Force world, everything was a rank and a name. So I was you know, Sergeant Noon, and then I became Captain and Major Noon. And, and those are important titles in the military. But there were times when somebody who outranked me, typically a commander or somebody would come to me and they would say, hey, Mark, I need you to do this. And the difference between hey, Mark and hey, Major Noon is a value connection. What's important to me, because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I have a very simple name, right? Mark Noon, how much more simple can you get? But yet I like my name. You know, I like when people use my name. And so when somebody who doesn't typically, instead of calling me Mr. Noon, somebody calls me Mark or whatever, I feel more valued. I feel more connected to them. 
that's the number one thing I've learned is how to use people's names in situations to make them feel important. Oh, I love that. This brings up a story for me. Well, personally, like my last name is pronounced Mises, but people won't say Miles or Mises or other things all the time. And they don't take the time to ask me, like, how do I pronounce your name? Right. Which brings me to like another thing that I've done in my HR career all the time, especially working in tech organizations that are multinational, is you have people who don't have typical American Western names. Mm -hmm. And so I was working with this person, we'll just call them Zinju. And when he first introduced himself to me, he said, Oh, my name is Josh. I don't remember what it was. But he basically gave me like this American name. And I was like, that's not your name. And he was like, I know, but people find my name really hard to pronounce. And I said, Well, that is their problem to, to not learn how to pronounce your actual family given name. So can you just teach me how to pronounce your name? And I'm going to call you by that. (laughs) And so he taught me and that's what I called him. And I I just think it's so sad that people feel, especially from folks outside of the US who feel like they need to Americanize their name because our name holds so much value. Our name holds so much thought and intention behind it. Our parents give it to us. And it's a big part of who you are as a person. It is, right? And so getting to know that or, or connecting that way is important to most people. And, and if you take time to at least figure that out, and I love to do it in an audience, I love to surprise people in an audience. I'll have an audience of maybe 30, 40, 50 people and be a smaller group. And 50 people, pretty much, I can get to know everybody in the room. I can get to know their names pretty well. I've, I've really practiced this. But when I know somebody's name that I actually haven't met in the audience, because either I saw them walk by me and I saw their name tag, and you know, it said, Nicole. And so all of a sudden, I'm in the middle of saying something. And I go, you know, Nicole, like it is for you, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh my gosh, how did he know my name? And it, it surprises them. One, it gets them awake in the audience because now they're going, oh, he's paying attention to people. I need to stay awake, right? Yeah. But it also makes them feel connected. And all of a sudden, I have an influence to them. And it's only because I connected the way that's important to them. Oh, I love that. So great. So Mark, you said some golden nuggets today. Let's tie it together. So where can our listeners connect with you online? Yeah, so we have a website, two partners and I that have a company called Leadership 10, T-E-N, spelled out leadership10.org. You can find us on the web. You can find us on Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably one of the best places to find me is LinkedIn. You can also email me at mark, M-A-R-K, at leadership10.org. Anytime I answer emails, always within 24 hours, so you're guaranteed to get a response pretty quickly. Awesome. I love that standard. I love it. Cool. And this is our last question that we ask every guest here on Share, Inspire, Repeat. How can people continue to bring more good into their lives? You know, again, it goes back to just bringing value to other people. One of the things, the reason we started our business last year was because we were doing what we call giving forward. You know, people talk about giving back and they talk about paying forward. We give forward. We started a young professionals group here about two years ago, actually, where we teach young professionals in the Northwest Florida area. We bring them together for a full semester. It's five months, five one-on-one coaching sessions, as well as five group sessions, three hours a piece, five times once a month. And we just invest and create value in them. And we give everything that we can that we've learned over our 30, 40, 50 years, some of us that have been in business and just invest in them and we give it to them so they can take it forward. And that's where our business started because we started going, wow, we're doing this for people locally here. Maybe we can make it go branch out nationwide. And that's what we've done now. So give forward. That's my key. Give forward. I love it. I love it. Maybe we'll make that like the subheader on the billboard. There you Do go. good and give forward. There you go. I love that. That's going to be a great billboard. Great title for this one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I love it. All right, Mark. Well, thank you so much for being part of the show. It's been wonderful having you. Absolutely. My pleasure. Awesome, Mark. Well, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Share, Inspire, Repeat. As always, make sure to like and subscribe to the channel and give us your review. 
And we will see you in the next one. From Share, Inspire, Repeat, this is AJ Mises. Take care. Thanks for listening to Share, Inspire, Repeat with AJ Mises. Interested in sharing a story or being a guest on the show? Visit shareinspirerepeat.com to introduce yourself or to submit a story. You can also check out more details from this episode by visiting shareinspirerepeat.com. 